Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, I'm not sure which made me matter. Biden's formerly known as State of the Union address or Senator Tim Scott's GOP rebuttal. I'm sad to report I had high hopes that I would get some kind of uh, like at least somebody is correcting the record on this stuff or setting setting it straight. And I have to say, at least the first three quarters of his short speech kind of made me feel like he was saying, oh, I think the first sentence was good man, good words about Biden's speech. And I was like, wait, no. He's not a good man. And they were terrible words. And then he goes on, Scott, to kind of, I mean, this was my impression of it. I mean, obviously, he didn't say this, but like my impression of the thing was that he was basically saying, we want what you want. We just want a little bit of the action. We just want to get a little credit for for the effort, you know, a little something for the effort. And I, I'm thinking, and he goes through like all the things. He's like, oh, let me tell you. There were five COVID relief packages last year and 90 senators voted for every one of them. That's a lot of Republicans. And this new bill that Biden is supporting, well, let me just tell you, it falls short. There's too little on vaccinations, too little on public schools and too little on infrastructure. And Republicans are for everything you think of as infrastructure, water, roads. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy saying? I don't want more vaxes. I don't want federal money going to that. I don't want federal money going to public schools. That is like the definition of something that's local. And of course, it shouldn't exist at all. And the infrastructure thing should also, we don't want it. The the one who, of course, transitioned us into being us. I hate it when I do that non-Democrats as being like all pro-infrastructure, which is not a conservative, traditional, anything conservative viewpoint. And I'm talking economic conservative, fiscal conservative. I do not call myself that, but many of my opinions align with that. So what does four roads and water mean for the federal government spending on it? It was really, it was very much the new Republican, uh, the kind of post Trump Republican thing. And one of the, one what of does the, roads mean also? What, what do we mean by yeah. roads and infrastructure now? Because we have smart roads. We have data collection on those smart roads. Right. We have sensors. What, what is not, where does roads stop and just data collection digitally begin end or whatever? Yeah. There was a, a lot of, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you would call it vague terms or glittering generalities, but for him to say, it, what what you think of as infrastructure, what they mean by infrastructure, something we all we all want, you know, like yeah, what fill in the blank? What what would you like that is a material thing in the world that you have not paid for yourself directly with yeah. a decision to make that? So there's a lot of that, but that one, is interesting. The new infrastructure, I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, for sure. It's I mean, it's definitely. The Green Deal climate change move towards total surveillance, towards a world that does not have guns, gold and a getaway. I mean, that it is towards that. And it has nothing to do with climate. It has nothing to do with anything that they say it is. It's all about this new world, this totalitarian 
world dictatorship. This brave without, new totalitarian world. Yeah, without without like actually putting the title of coercive world government on it because that that isn't working, and it's actually better for them because there's less transparency and accountability when it's not a democratic system. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. It's not a system that has the formal title of government. But but a, a tactic or a device that is used, and I don't think Tim Scott is the guy behind this, because. but we're seeing it with Q and a lot of other things. He says, becoming a Christian changed my life. That was one of the things he said. And the, I, the way I heard it was, we're all Christians. If this is the Christian position. And then... A bunch of things that have nothing to do with Christianity, first of all, and the idea like infrastructure, federal, federally funded infrastructure has nothing to do with Christianity. And he did go into like abortion and stuff. But but the the point of pointing it to the Christian thing is now all of a sudden you finish the job that Trump started, which was to take any kind of foundational principles out of what's considered conservative. And I've explained this before. Conservative in Europe is totally different from conservative here because conservative means to conserve the past politically. There, the past was a uh, monarchical hierarchy with nobility and stuff. So like people are really pro-monarchy and pro-whatever their past is. That's what the conservative is. Or maybe nationalism in France and Germany, like, I don't know, but their conservatism is different. Ours harkens back to an enlightenment era experiment in self-limiting governments. So our quote, conservatism is liberal. It's classical liberalism. So for him to bring in this idea of Christianity as being hand in hand with conservatism is starting to put these, these moral beliefs, which I, you know, which our experiments, and I agree with this, and I understand they're critics of it, but you have to separate coercion from morals. You can't coerce moral behavior unless it's also invading somebody else's rights. And I feel like this goes hand in hand with the 21st century dialectic, which I identified a long time ago as this clash of, clash of civilizations. It's why one of the reasons or if the conflict with Islam in the Middle East feeds into this thing and I've, I, I, when I first speculated that, that would be the 21st century dialectic as opposed to the 20th century, like fascism versus communism, which synthesized into social democracy, universal social democracy. This would be, this would be non-religion, like separation of church and state versus religion, like Islam. And the synthesis would be to legislate a, I guess, a syncretic, which is a weird, I don't, a word I'm not 100% sure I understand, but I think this is like syncretism is like where religions mush together. But like, syncretism? It, yeah. It's, it's like, synth, I don't know, S Y N C R E T, syncretic, I see. Like, I've seen that word and I think it's what it means, but it says, it's basically like the idea is, and it's a method of control of like, or whatever. It's, it seems to go hand in hand with like a, civilizational control kind of thing. And I think they just, I always, I always started to think that the, the Judeo Christianity versus Islam or secular humanism versus Islam or secular humanism versus religion, it would all like synthesize into legislating a, like a neutered morality, legislating yeah. neutered morality. So mask wearing would be part of it now. I, I see. Right. But, 
when he says Christianity, then you've got like the Defense of Marriage Act. And what happened there is in that dialectic where the Defense of Marriage Act went up against because that was a federal law that violated the Tenth Amendment. So at the state level, people were fighting that because it meant you couldn't have gay marriage in your state. But then what happened was the Supreme Court said you can't you can't have a law against gay marriage in your state. It's it's very um, like methodical, it seems to me. So I'm just saying when you take the idea that the conservative viewpoint or one half of the political spectrum is hand in hand with Christianity and that then you have people advocating for laws that conform to their morality rather than conform to our foundational laws. That is simply opening the door to the church, to the state coercing morality at the point of a gun. And you will not win the battle for what, morality is accepted because in some places abortion is going to be the moral argument mm-hmm. if you had zika or if it's overpopulation you can't be assured that what that's why even when texas or florida or one of those places or both of those places the governor mandated that private private companies could not require the vaccination i believe that was what happened and everybody was for it and i get that i like i kind of want to move to one of those places for that reason yeah but once you you once you say, well, in under these circumstances, the governor is allowed to violate private property rights in that way. You might win for a year or two, but ultimately you're going to flip it. It's like yeah. how they did Jim Crow and stuff. They're like, OK, instead of saying the government had no right to tell private businesses they were not permitted to have racist mix, then they said they were not allowed to prevent it. And and my argument is you have to maintain absolute private property rights. That is the best way to have the least conflict in society. And this yeah. kind of stuff is a way to get the right to forget the foundational laws that they're supposed to be conserving. Let me give you a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte that speaks to what you're saying when it comes to the morale of it. And this is from Narrative Warfare. In war, moral factors account for three quarters of the whole Relative material strength accounts for only one quarter. And then it goes on to talk about how the army and the military has these operations that, that were designed to get in and affect the moral, the morale and the belief systems of the target audiences and the populations are going after. So that sounds like the hearts and minds thing yeah. of propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. changing the culture, too. Yes, that, yeah. that actually. Yes, that's a good point is that. What you really want to do with the moral stuff is shape the culture. And that's why the liberty of it, the foundational restraints on our government allow for so much diversity and innovation and all that. If, if you're just looking at the practical element of it, but personally, my, I will have to violate my morality to obey some of these moral laws, such yeah. as the vaccination thing. If, if that is an un, I mean, it is gene therapy. You could make the argument if you were really religious that that is a violation of the, you know, God's law or God, the temple, whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's a real conflict there. Like I, I have a conscientious objection to it. Is it religious? I don't know. But if it came down to it, I would not want the government to be able to mandate that. And once you start acquiescing to the notion that government can mandate morality, first, they're going to start by telling you the outcome's going to be Christian or Republican. Then, there's no way that morality is winning the future. So yeah. the only hope is a, a neutral, undying dedication to 
the the limitations on government power, however you want to pursue that. All right, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. That was interesting. Uh, thank you very much. I have, and you know, normally Fridays I'm kind of on my heels, tired, and looking forward to the DPP, which I am. And it is the fifth Friday, first ever DPP for all patrons. Don't expect this probably to ever happen again or happen more than once or twice a year, but we just kind of wanted to have a big party for everybody since it was a day that was otherwise unoccupado. So uh, I don't want to get into, maybe we'll talk about it another time about uh tim scott and his cotton to congress thing yeah you talked i I will just say he said his grandfather picked cotton had to didn't learn how to read because he had to leave school to pick cotton whereas that his grandfather's grandfather owned 900 acres in south carolina i think after the civil war and i feel like that is such i'm sorry for the grandfather that they went on bad times but that is such a story of triumph and uh so a historical wrinkle that we should probably look into. It makes you wonder about the story of his grandfather. If if that if his grand if it, if the great grandfather that owned the farms great grand great great grandfather owned nine hundred acres. The great grandfather owned some acreage too, but the grandfather had to go pick cotton probably on that land. That's what and I'm saying. If he's doing it for his family, then fell it's on hard times. It was and and if I'm doing my math right, I would I'd think that that was during the depression. Yeah. I have a picture of my husband's maternal grandfather around that time. So they should be around the same age, his grandfather and my husband's grandfather. A picture of this guy as a kid with no shoes on, wearing pants that were too short. Maybe they're supposed to be a rope for a belt Mm -hmm. picking cotton. And he had a single mom. Yeah. And I mean, he's a white guy, but... It doesn't matter. Like it was the depression and people did that did happen. To right. People. And, and that's that's what I was kind of getting at. I was wondering because he's trying he's using that to connect it to the feelings of cotton picking and slavery in the 1800s. Right. It seems like a totally different circumstance that actually was the reality in this. And, case. and that's that there's a big argument. The Washington Post, Fox are all talking about bunking and debunking and all that kind of stuff. But I'm fascinated by the historical the historical story that that tells, like if that's true, you have the Civil War, you have um, Reconstruction, carpetbaggers, stuff like that, sharecroppers. But you have this guy who managed to get 900 acres in South Carolina, his great, great grandfather. Wow. I want to hear that story. And then how did it get to where during the Great Depression, his grandfather had to leave school to pick cotton? And what I want to know is Honestly, I would like to examine the government policies that led to all that. Then I started to think like maybe the Jim Crow laws and all that kind of stuff were uh, exacerbated by or even intentionally fomented by really abusive reconstruction policies pushed down by carpetbaggers and um, Yankees and all that who came down to really F it up. It could have been maybe there was hope at that moment when his great great grandfather had 900 acres yeah. where we could have had a better past a future for him but a better and, past for us all i feel I like thought. it was with my the same way my husband's maternal grandfather in texas like yeah. i think it was the same era close to the same age within a decade of the same age and i just think that okay there, and yeah what, that's definitely... where did the de- depression come from you know where did the cotton bowl come from i <laughs> the cotton bowl the um 
Dust Bowl come from? Like there were government policies that really shaped our past. And if we dug into this guy's personal history, boy, I'm sure there would be a story to tell. I don't think he knows the story. Yeah. But I just I think that's so interesting. And it's really it really bummed me out that the propaganda drowned out any real, real enlightenment that we might have gained from that. And the last thing I will say on any of this, and then I will let you pick whatever story or stories you want to squeeze in since I totally hijacked the show. Uh, I just wanted to say that. um with regard to Biden's speech, his his speech, there was one thing that I, I thought I remembered they stuck out with every president for the past decade or two. Obama threw this thing in in one of his so to State of the Union addresses about precision medicine. And I had to look that up because it's like gene based medicine, which it ha- is highly I think it, I think we can see now it's highly invasive. It requires a lot of information and surveillance and some think that the underlying the number one goal of obamacare was data and so then when trump said we need a harpa like we have a darpa he said that in a soto state of the union address now i know what harp is right i I don't really know too much about it but it it has to do with the sky but that's not what he's talking about darpa is the defense uh, advanced research project agency. I think it is. Yeah. And, but do you know what IP stands for? Internet protocol. I think it might. Anyway, that's a throwback to our Rockfin video that's coming out. Jimmy Kimmel asked Mike Lindell if he knew what IP meant. Yeah. Like, so, and that was supposed to describe him. Anyway, but he did not ask Hunter Biden any probing questions about his laptops. No, that was a really fun Rockfin video. Sorry. I'm time just anyway. So what, so, that's what Trump said. And what Biden said, he didn't say Harpa, but I was waiting for it. He said the Defense Department has DARPA, which created the Internet and GPS. And I'm thinking, bad, bad. <laughs> I don't want to be surveilled constantly. And like the Internet, please. I mean, as good as it's done, human, you know, that marks the end of human individuality, in my opinion. Uh, but he did not say Harpa, yet he was promoting it just like Trump was promoting it. So this is so he was an, promoting DARPA or Harpa. He was saying we need a health one just like we have a DARPA, and like that that strikes fear into my bones because although he didn't say Harpa, it is what Trump said, and the reason it matters that Trump also pushed it and Obama pushed it is those are the real agendas. When when they tell you the big, big picture stuff and the Republicans and the Democrats tell you to want it, that's what they're really after and what they're going to get and what they need a lot of policy support for. And he threw in there that he wants to win the war on cancer. He didn't put in those words, but something like that. And for me... That I think the cancer of all things, they don't they can't even shoehorn that into germ theory really very well. They try. So that gets you back to the stress, toxins, radiation or poor nutrition causes of disease. And those are all preemptive. So when he talks about cancer being hand in hand with this advanced research project in health, I can't help but think that it really has to do with these kind of gene therapies like the vaccine, highly invasive stuff that will profoundly impact even so far as the human genome like that to me is i mean it it smacks of transhumanism i'm on their website right now the harpa website and oh it already exists yeah 
H-A-R-P-A? Yeah, it's, this is exactly what you're talking about. And they're, they're comparing it with DARPA. It says DARPA's success proves there's an effective government model for translating science to product. There's currently no vehicle with the federal government to do this for health. HARPA's identical operating principles built on urgency, leadership, high impact investments and accountability will advance scientific research from the lab to the patient. So, yeah, they got the whole model built out on the website already. They got the blueprint. Obviously, I haven't gone through it because I just looked at the website, but it's pretty it's really interesting. See, DARPA is a very interesting organization. The way that they expedite the process of developing technology, they they do challenges. They challenge people in the private sector and they give financial incentives, multi-million dollars to the, the winner of the grant. So all these private organizations get together and they really quickly try to develop these new goal-oriented products. They, so they do the assignments that DARPA wants them to do. And then the winner gets all the money. And the employees of DARPA, you, you I think it's like a two or three year contract that you get. At least is how it used to be. Because the idea is that you, you work fast and break stuff because you're trying to make stuff as quickly as possible. And that's how you get Sergey Brin and Mark Zuckerberg highly screened. I mean, those were the guys in that Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth where they studied hyper-intelligent people as teens, those guys happen to be at the at the pinnacle of big tech, which is a DOD sister. And by doing it this way, taking the research out of the private sector, taking the push and pull of how money is spent and what is developed out of the price mechanism of supply and demand, they get to control what gets developed, who, who develops it, how it's used, what uh, what the features are it is total control and they use it for total control so anytime they say robots are taking our jobs we need ubi i say robots would never be taking our job jobs if darpa didn't interfe- intervene in how research dollars were spent interesting for our last big story of the free 30 we're going to talk about how the SNL cast has a conscientious objector option for an upcoming host. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going to be in the Patreon 15, which is the latest developments in sex bot technology, including some privacy invading features and who or what is the biggest influencer of 2020. And of 2021, excuse me. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Liberty Gear, libertygear.net. Libertygear.net is an online store filled with masks, shirts, and even some cool posters, including protest gear such as the Obey mask, which you can find Obey in the movie They Live, a great movie, the PSYOP mask, the Flattened Lies mask, and a lot of other funny, weird stuff to kind of lighten up your day. Even if you don't like wearing masks or you don't like to comply, many businesses and, and government organizations require you to wear them going in. So if you're going to put them on, you might as well use it as a device to reach out to like-minded people in your community and make them laugh at the same time. So check out the merch at libertygear.net. Chances are you're going to find something there that will give you a much-needed laugh in this insane backwards world that we live in, and perhaps a souvenir to remind you of these crazy times. Not that you will be forgetting them anytime soon, but it's nice to have a little souvenir to show your grandchildren about the pandemic of 2020 
and 2021. And if you're looking for something you don't see, keep in mind that they love new ideas over there and they take requests for custom gear. So just email them through the site and please support fellow Liberty Lover and Propaganda Report listener you probably know and love and get 10% off of the merchandise with a promo code PROPAGANDA in all lowercase. That's PROPAGANDA in all lowercase, only at libertygear.net. And if you're interested in helping us spread the word about the show, you can be creative about it. You can do things like getting us a shout out on some of your other favorite podcasts. We know that's happened before. I believe Andrew, I believe patron Andrew got us a shout out on Timcast, which then was repeated and played on No Agenda because No Agenda also got a shout out on there as well, which we then played also. So it was a, a three way of shout outs that ended up happening there. So that was a cool, fun idea. So if you do that, we don't typically play clips on the show, but if you do that, we do make exceptions in those case. And if you've considered joining Patron and you have not yet, tonight we're doing a one time only offer for all of our patrons. So you can join at the lowest true sponge level, which is $7 for all of the content in that level. And what we're doing tonight is a free-for-all DPP where everybody from every level is invited. We've never done it, done this before, but we're going to do it. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we won't. But since this is a, a five-week month, we are using the fifth week to do the free-for-all. So the time to join is it's tonight. Leap Friday. Do what? It's, oh, it's, it's a leap, leap Friday. Friday. Yeah, so the time to join <laughs> would be tonight at that true sponge level so you can take advantage of the DPP party there. Always fun and sometimes, oh. sometimes a little risque, if you will. We have a special guest. We actually have live entertainment. Someone's going to make a cameo. Don't it would buy a special request. Somebody asked me to see if I could get the special guest who uh, many people met when they showed up at the meetups in Atlanta. So that's it. That's the only clue I'm giving. But if you check out the DPP tonight, you will have a special treat. Well, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report, sign up at the true sponge level, and you will find out who that special guest is later on tonight. Now on to our final story of the free 30, which is SNL going to be having an interesting host on May 8th. I believe it is that some of the cast members, if they don't want to participate in the show, they don't have to. Now, I've never heard this rule before, but apparently Lauren Michael Lauren Michaels has always just been like, well, if you don't like the host, you don't have to participate. That's what the article says, although I don't believe that. But in the case of Elon Musk, who is going to be hosting on May 8th, that is apparently the case. The founder who is set to host, as I said, I think is a week from this Saturday. Some of the cast members have made it clear that they're not very enthusiastic about the controversial billionaire being on the stage as the host and... Here's what Elon Musk tweeted that caused some backlash among some of the cast members. Musk tweeted, let's find out just how live Saturday Night Live really is. And then a cast member, Bowen Yang, wrote, what the F does that even mean? Seemingly upset about it. Maybe maybe it's a little showmanship and maybe they're causing a little controversy to drive up viewership. That might be what I suspect here, because controversy is a marketing technique that sells. Trump used it well. The media uses it well. And that's what's going on right here, in my opinion. Go ahead. Which one stopped being funny first, Colbert or SNL? I mean, I that's think a SNL, tough question. SNL might be a pioneer in unfunny comedy. <laughs> it's getting to the point where that's what they're known for. It's starting to overcome all of the great stuff they did because it's been so bad and so politically wow. driven for so that long. That would be tough because they were 
they've been riding on John Belushi, in my opinion, for 40 years. You know, I will <laughs> no, say they had this. Eddie Murphy was, I mean, and they had Chris guys. Farley. They had Adam Sandler back in the yeah. early 90s. They were great yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, Chris Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Great, great, great. Yeah, but. Chris Rock, of course, all that. When they do, it's not like the people who are cast members aren't funny. They they are. But they're not funny when they do political stuff. None you of know, them. You know, my theory is None they, of them have to, they have to hire. It's like when you want to get a divorce from some rich guy in your city or state, whatever. You go around and have a meeting with every single solitary divorce lawyer of any merit in that jurisdiction so that he's conflicted out from representing your husband. Yeah. That's what you do. So I think that they, they, I've trademarked they. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed that on Twitter. So it's capital T H E Y with little trademark sign on the top. They have. Can't trademark somebody's gender. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So they have gone around the gender neutral. They, I don't know how to neutralize the they and they, but okay. <laughs> So they have gone around and hired up all the talent in the world in any field so that there is no talent outside of the Matrix. Wow. So they had to have the funny people on SNL and just make sure they never get their hands on any funny material. Well, the rare occasion that they do a sketch that is not political, it's generally pretty good. But when every because they're so over the top with the politics, they're just as over the top as CNN, as Colbert is. It's not funny because nobody cares anymore. It's just it's we're so desensitized to it. that it, I, I think it's worse than that. I think and I really think I witnessed it like the moment it happened. And it was a conscious decision without a doubt that I remember. And it was after this, but th- that they decide decided never to make the political stuff funny. Because it would reveal some of the absurdity in it all. And it would be so easy to make it funny. Yeah. So, but there was a moment when this was way after that worm turned, but it was a great example of it, where Jon Stewart, who was funny in the beginning, really good. Like, he saved that show. Uh, So then he had Jim Cramer, the stock guy from wherever guy who beats all the buttons and you know has a shirt yeah, rolled he up rolls he's like, ah. yeah it's he, he's a character of himself at this point but he had him on and kramer was saying whatever in his histrionic way and john stewart turns to him and says i'm sure this was like the 2008 financial crisis or something he turns to him and he says this is a joke you think this is a joke Okay, so let's just think about that for a second. What show were, was John was John Stewart hosting? He's hosting the Daily Show on Comedy Central. Which is what's the premise behind the Daily Show? I mean, it's on Comedy Central. It's it's satire yeah, it's news. A, news, yes, it's a yeah. news show that it's sat, satirizes the entire news of the day, every single solitary yeah. day, anything newsworthy. It makes fun of. That is the premise of the show. Yeah, and that guy was taking to task someone who actually adds humor to I can I do not like Jim Cramer but he his show at least is about imparting real information yeah and and he makes it entertaining yeah the daily show now is just straight up nearly identical to CNN and MSNBC it's they say the oh, same really? talking points 
every me- you can see the same talking talking like they do that thing where they cut all the news the local news from Sinclair Media where that has them reading the scripts and they're all saying the same thing. You could do the same thing with the the CNN, MSNBC, and the late shows. You could do the yes. same thing and cut. You could find the same language being used repeated over and over again. It's crazy. This Elon Musk thing. I think that this is actually going to be. There's going to be a lot to cut to come from this. Actually, the the people are also upset that Miley Cyrus is going to be the musical guest because they are tweet. They're blasting her on Twitter, saying that Elon Musk destroys the planet. How dare you work with him? And he doesn't like women, which is a strange thing because he does have a, a girlfriend and a kid with with his girlfriend. Seems to like women. Maybe there's some women he doesn't he like. He probably I, really hates. You think he should maybe abuse Miley Cyrus sex just, is to, violence. just yeah. to show how much of a chauvinist he is? He should yes. talk down to her, maybe spit on her. Perhaps. I wonder how they're going to play that out. Like she, because she's so outspoken. Maybe she runs out and speaks truth to power. Yeah, she goes and gets in his face. Yeah, I she think, might. I think there's going to be. I think what's going to be interesting about this <laughs> is, well, first of all, they're talking about how he downplayed the coronavirus vaccine back in September of last year and how he said Straight he wasn't going to get it. So there's going to be some conflict there. I don't know if he's been vaccinated or not. I don't know what he said about it recently. But SNL, almost every sketch they've done over the past month has been about the vaccine, about getting the vaccine. So to have somebody who at one point said he's not going to get it, I'm wondering if there's going to be a sketch about that. There will no doubt be a sketch about Dogecoin and Dogecoin will most likely, in my opinion, I'm not giving financial advice, most likely will spike shortly after. Then there will be conversations about regulating crypto because of the power Elon Musk showed to affect the market through Saturday Night Live. I'm I'm guessing that happens. I think whether it happens at that moment or not, I think that you're that's for sure where it's all going. Absolutely. Because they, they're going to try and wrangle that and control it just like they do. Try. Else. They probably, yeah, they and already. They created it just <laughs> right, to control totally. it. Yeah. That's what people would say. Like, you're a libertarian. How can you be against Bitcoin? I'm like, I'm not totally not against anything. But it seems to me a stepping stone to a cashless society. I could be wrong. That's what Doesn't it seems like to me. Doesn't mean you can't get rich off it. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity. But it. It's everything is a wild, wild west to begin with. And then they wrangle it in. Even if they put it out there, they put it out there to where it's wild. They learn. was a limited hangout. Yeah. And then they tighten up the restrictions. I have a couple of shout outs. All right. I ha- I want to thank Ty, Ashley, and Richard for coming becoming patrons. I hope you guys are all listening and know that whether you're a DPP level patron or not, the DPP is open to all patrons tonight and then it is time for more shout outs so if you are entitled to a shout out check your messages i uh sent you a request for a shout out and i got a shout out from brandon and it's a great one i'm super happy it's dedicated to us but that's not the only reason i think it's great uh he says i'd love to shout out monica and brad for keeping such a high level of quality content on all platforms. I'd also like to shout out to my beautiful wife for putting up with my crazy conspiracy rants <laughs> while keeping an open mind and level uh, head when it comes to what we expose our kids to. That is a great, great point. It is really important to understand developmental capability of yeah. holding like the reality and the, the false thing. But I actually really liked his last word, which is a shout out to us again. Uh, what you guys do content wise, you and me, Brad, uh, during, even during vacation and holidays is unmatched in the alternative news space. I really appreciate that because what we do, like we, I, I think maybe 
uh, um, we neither of us ever like picks when we're taking a week off. It's always for something, a meetup. If my husband has, you know, makes me an offer I can't refuse, I'll I'll tag along with him on some uh, vacation or whatever, uh, or you know, whatever, go visit my mom. But we we do take probably four weeks off a year. But we make a point of, if at all possible, having fresh content for every day for both the free feed and the Patreon feed. And it's a lot of work and it's totally not like in the fine print. We just do it because we want to make sure that any day that you're looking for us, we are there. And I appreciate that he uh, recognizes that. Yes, and thank you. It's, it's, it's because awesome. it's, it's a labor of love, of course. And yeah. that it's loved back really keeps us going. Yes, it does. Thank you. It's very cool. All right. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that Monica and I have been telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and join there. We will talk to you guys next week or Mm -hmm. at the DPP tonight. tonight or in the Patreon 15. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 